think anyone who's taken mushrooms uh, can really relate. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Uh, all right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Barrett Cher from Music Video Sins and CinemaSins. Yo. And today we have a special guest, uh, director Lorcan Finnegan. Who uh, has uh, a movie called Vivarium coming out? I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Vivarium or Vivarium? I don't know. I don't really know. I think um, in in the UK and Ireland people say Vivarium, and in the states people say Vivarium. Okay, but, all right. Um, same movie either way <laughs> yes it is yes it is uh so uh the what you have made here is very unique yes and, and uh i don't want to get too much into spoilers and everything but uh I, I i wanted to uh sort of hear what you uh how you would summarize this plot summarize this movie um i would say that it's just about a young couple who uh, are trying to buy their first home they go into an estate agent. They meet a strange um, guy called Martin who um, convinces them to follow him out to a brand new development called Yonder. And when they get out to Yonder, all the houses look exactly the same. And it's weird. And they're having a look around a house called number nine. And they don't like the vibe. They don't think Martin is being kind of strange. Um, they turn around and he's vanished. And they're like, okay, let's get out of here jump at the car and they try and drive out but because everything looks the same they can't find their way out and no matter what way they turn they keep on pulling up outside the same house number nine and from then on things get progressively worse for the young couple <laughs> yeah okay um <laughs> i sort of want to try to get into some of the themes of this movie but i don't i also don't want to spoil too yeah. much so um so uh, one thing that happens in this is a a baby arrives in the um, <laughs> when they're when they're sitting there. So they have to decide whether or not they want to take care of this baby or not. Yeah, a child arrives and they're given a, a message to say raise the child uh, and be released. So for them, they think that if they take care of the child, there may be some way out of the place. Um. But, I mean, thematically, it's about a lot of different things to different people, depending on the audience, um, depending on, you know, um, culture also um, plays a part. Like the film is played around the world at various film festivals, and different people have different interpretations, and they kind of put themselves in there. Um, but ultimately, it's about conformity and the homogenization of society and... Um, a kind of consumer capitalism um, way of looking at the world <clears throat> and um, the social contract so that like you know when we're, we're born into a life where there's expectations already put on you and um, a lot of the time the one size fits all model doesn't always work yeah it's at that point uh, Lorcan where the movie could have gone a million different ways and I and it went uh, a completely unexpected one, uh, both in the way that the uh, the the child performer is portrayed, uh, the way that that uh, they 
interact with each other. Uh, the interactions, uh, the performances that you got out of the two leads, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots, uh, is is spectacular. I've never seen them, either of them, act in the way that they act in your movie. And it's really spectacular. And their interaction with each other, uh, I thought, was one of the, the big, strong points mm. of the film. Yeah, they were great. I was very lucky to have them. Um, the film was, uh, you know, it was difficult to make. We didn't have a, a huge kind of amount of time to make it. Um, so it was all go. But luckily, both Image and Jesse were were brilliant, you know, and very easy to work with and, um, and very creative and funny as well. I mean, yeah. even though it gets quite dark. Right. Um, we had we had a great time making it. That's great. Um, how much of this, uh, I, I know that uh, – the the neighborhood itself is is got some cgi uh to to get the infinite look uh down and everything uh did you have to build a set for one house or was it just what what did you have to do as far as the uh the set production and everything yeah so i mean in the the script the place was described as having no wind no rain the weather is always the same and um no insects um, no nature, it's like completely devoid of nature. Um, so the only way to make it, uh, it was also described as looking like, um, like yonder looks like Magritte's painting Empire of Light, which mm-hmm. has those kind of fluffy white clouds and blue sky, and it's quite surreal. So we had to, um, build a set, yeah. So we built the facades of three houses. And not full depth, about like ten feet wide, maybe uh, or deep. And um, so we had three facades, three garden walls, you know, the um, footpath, sidewalk, um, and a bit of road. So there's only ever one side of the street, which was three houses long. So we had to extend that digitally then by scanning the uh, set with a lidar scanner and. And creating 3D from that, and also using 2D mapping and um, and all of that. But it meant every time we were shooting a scene, we'd be shooting into the same background, huh. whether it was either side of the street. So when you're doing a reverse angle, you had to flip everything, flip the car, flip the lights, flip the um, flip anything that was recognisable as facing <laughs> one direction. Yeah, <laughs> take the knife the door and remove various things in the background so it was a bit of a um a little bit like the film itself it was a bit of a kind of um quantum mindfuck (laughs) (laughs) right uh i tell you i know that you're saying that everybody has different interpretations but my interpretation was that despite the fact that everything is so weird in this movie and the way people act and and the the child acts and everything i still felt like it was just I felt like it was just basic what people go through when they have a kid, you know, like even though it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is a lot of that for sure. Yeah, mm. I think life in general, the idea around, um, to me anyway, it was kind of trying to sort of light and three acts in a way. So like the first act of the film is like youth and they're, they're optimistic and they're full of hope and, um, having a good time together and then the middle act is like middle age they're stuck with this child and and they end up arguing about stupid stuff and and finding distractions and you know the kid coming between them and and then the third act is like regretting having spent so much time apart and you know reconciling and 
um, and all of that. So, um, without spoiling what happens at the end, but um, yeah, so it is it's kind of like we're trying to show uh, life sort of amplified, a certain type of life, obviously, um, but amplified, turning the dial up to show the absurdity and the, the weirdness and the horror of it all. That's excellent. Um, tell me what it was like uh, working with these actors. Uh, the you know, and, and not only just Jesse Eisenberg and Imogene Poops, but, uh, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I've lost my my note here on who plays Martin. Is it, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Harris. Yeah, yeah. How was it? like uh, working with those people they were all great i mean we started with um i mean it's it's the film is really uh jamma's film it's her story yeah uh, even though it's like, kind of a two-hander between her and imogen jesse so um imogen came on board first and then we we talked about who would get to play tom and then um we went through a bunch of names we thought about jesse and she knew jesse from before and um i thought they'd be really interesting together and so then Jesse came on board and they, they while we we're casting the lead, I was also trying to find the, um, the boy first because it was going to be kind of the most challenging role to find a seven-year-old who can act that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a certain look. You know, he's almost like a little Pinocchio, perfect child. Um, so we saw a lot of kids, like loads, and um, most of them were normal seven-year-olds, you know, who just are shy and can't remember lines and stuff. But um, I got this self-tape sent in from Senan, who, <laughs> it was just like, holy shit, this guy is perfect. <laughs> he did some of the mimicry uh, in the tape, but he also did the kind of eye-rolling back throat thing that he does, and... Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like God. I gotta get this guy in. So he came in, and um, we did some more scenes, and he completely understood the character, and um, and even had ideas for ways of um, of performing. And yeah, he was great. And then Jonathan Harris, that was a lucky one as well. It's just we'd seen so many people for that um, for that role, and then I got. Jonathan's tape and it was just spot on pretty much um, he just had the right balance of it being funny creepy that uncanny valley where you're finding something kind of amusing but at the same time kind of freaking you out yes yeah. um, definitely unsettling that's a very unique Dr. character or something. <laughs> just getting a little bit you know the giggles go the fear <laughs> yeah um, so they're all they're all great and like when when Imogen and, and Jesse um, like one of the first scenes was their scene with with Martin, so their reactions to his weirdness were <laughs> were totally genuine. It's great, yeah. Um, they're surprised by the by the performance, you know. But the thing with with Denon is he was almost too endearing as himself with his own voice. So what we actually did with um, to manipulate his voice was got Jonathan Harris to revoice. The little boy. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Wow. I was wondering how you did that because it is so unsettling the way that that voice is, is portrayed. Yeah. And it's perfectly synced, too. It's yeah. not. Yeah. 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 
it's got to be tough for actors to play characters like that because they're not they're not the cool ones in the movie you know they're the ones that basically the audience wants to distance themselves from and everything uh, i don't know how you get them in the headspace to do that which um like jonathan and Shannon and Aina, the, the boys or jeff and Imogen. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, yeah asking the uh, the the actors who have to play these weird characters. Uh, it's got to be hard to get them in that space because they're. Uh, I mean, they're they're not going to be playing the the ones that the audience really responds to. There are the, you know you have to get them in this like they're constantly weird and alienating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I think that's just um, you know that that part of the casting process finding people that are just right for that particular role and then um, they really enjoy it then you know they know what who they are and why they are like that you know I give them some more background as to who these people are and like the kind of species or whatever um, so yeah I mean like Stan and the, the seven year old went full message like in the weeks before shooting he was his mom was telling me you know he's going around um, like they'd be shopping in the supermarket and he'd be copying people Oh my God! <laughs> Doing it really kind of slow. Oh no! You know? yeah. <laughs> so he got really into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, Larkin, I have to say that uh, the 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 movie is so well shot and so beautifully colored and everything. But personally, what I gravitated most to uh, was the music in this, uh, especially the uh, the the songs that you put in there, uh, especially. The song at the end, the ecstasy song, uh, which is one of my favorite ecstasy songs and, and is now probably one of my favorite closed credit sequences <laughs> I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that track kind of explains the whole thing, you know. It's just Absolutely. Game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Ska then was kind of uh, the Ska track where it's sort of a way of uh, contrasting, you know, like, well, I mean, the first track, Rudy, obviously has a lot of lines in there about, uh, you know, that are thematically related to the film. Mm. Um, you know, time settled down, um, stop your running around, all that stuff. But um, it also contrasts, I think, really weirdly with um, the environment. It's sort of Jamaican vintage ska um, that they listen to in the car, yeah. uh, juxtaposed to this very homogenous. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah cookie cutter setting but the, the original music was all done by um, a Danish composer called Christian Andersen um, and I think he did a brilliant job yeah. creating because he did the sound design as well so the sound design kind of morphs between sound design and turning into music and, and back into sound design um, and it gets quite intense to again but it's still to me anyway it's very original yes and, um, and sort of anxiety inducing yes <laughs> very much so what's the story behind the the programming that's on the tv that the that the kid watches in uh in this movie it's very staticky very ink blotty and everything yeah it's a uh reaction to fusion pattern which is um like fractal based pattern which mm -hmm. looks similar to housing developments from above um it's usually how developers will try and squeeze in as many houses into a, a space as possible they mm. use a, a kind of fractal pattern mm -hmm. so um, when the kid is watching that it's like um, 
he's learning, he's being educated by the TV, which isn't a million miles from what happens anyway in the real world. And the parents can't understand what it is that he's looking at, which is also yeah. <laughs> what happens in the real world. I got completely lost in it. I was sitting there yeah. <laughs> finding myself watching that thing, <laughs> just going down into the, the rabbit hole. There. Well, he has the same expression as a, a, quote, normal kid would have while watching Blue's you know, Clues Blue's Clues, or Spongebob <laughs> or something like that, that, that kind of yeah, vacuous exactly, yeah. type of thing where you're just being absorbed by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just sits there happily watching, watching these yeah. uh, pulsating fractal patterns. Uh, I tell you, I really do relate to this Jesse Eisenberg character in this movie just because he, he, he set up to do a task in this movie that is basically doomed to fail. And, uh, and every day he comes home, quote, quote, unquote, it's like he's, it's like he's coming back from work. Right. And uh, I, I really love the, the symbolism of, of what he does in this and everything. His work is uh, symbolic. I think of a lot of people who are just doing normal jobs. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yep. Um, I get up in the morning, head out. And uh, hopefully get to the bottom, get to the bottom at some stage. Yeah, they're all, it it seems like people are are conforming to roles, even against their wishes. You know, you can tell there's there's a refrain that uh, Imogen Poots' character, Gemma, uh, repeats over and over to the child, uh, almost to remind herself that she is not his mother. Uh, But uh, they, they still find themselves conforming to those kind of societal roles anyway yeah it's like the place um and the boy um push them towards these gender roles right and he manipulates them um to take care of them one way or another and when tom sort of rejects them completely um he's able to use that to manipulate Gemma's maternal instincts um so yeah it's like the place itself pushes people towards these roles and and the societal norms and stuff like that or so-called norms by the way uh, so Lorcan you wrote this uh, screenplay correct no uh, the writer is Garrett Shamley um so we share a story by credit because we, we work on on stories together but he's a screenwriter so we worked on this um, together for uh, a few years um, and we made a short film together which is this was which was kind of the catalyst for this film um, in like 2011 and then the first feature that we did together was Without Name which is 2016 so this is our third project together Wow and Without Name is we, we've both seen this Chris and I have seen this and uh, you certainly have a genre of not being straightforward <laughs> narratives, like uh, a, a bit of a mindfuck in, in every in both of those features. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, without name, it's probably a little bit more abstract. Yes. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed you guys not only like about ten people seen without name. Oh, I I very much enjoyed without name. All right, cool, cool. You like trippy movies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great fun to make. That was. We were actually, like, Bavarian was supposed to be uh, my first feature, but it took um, it took a good while to finance, like, years. 
kind of so while we were waiting for all of that to happen, we uh, we made without name as a kind of a low budget, um, you know, eco horror folk horror um, <laughs> to amuse ourselves. So it was it was quite a liberating experience making that film because there's no real um, financial pressure from anybody for it to be since it was a big hit. So half the budget went to the mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, that's a the, the thing about without name. I just wanted to go out there and just soak into that yeah. that nature yeah. that he's in. I mean, I totally believe everything that happens to this guy when he's out there. Mm. I think it's uh, I think anyone who's taken mushrooms uh, can really relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, again, I don't want to spoil too much about this movie. I'm saying people should go watch it because it is unique and you don't see, you don't get to see these kind of singular visions very often. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I do respectfully want to, I want to ask you so many more questions <laughs> about this movie. Um, but, uh, but, uh, I think, I think people really should see it. Even the stuff we've said today, I'm like, I'm like, ah, you don't want to know any of that either, but it, it will still surprise you yeah, 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 in yeah. many different ways. Uh, Lorcan, uh, can I ask you what, what's coming up next for you? Yeah. I'm, um, actually just about to start into, uh, a new project. We're just about to start casting called, uh, Nocebo, which is, um, the opposite to a placebo, it's like a placebo's evil twin. <laughs> no, placebo. No placebo, so, <laughs> yeah. It's Latin for I will harm. So it's about um, a fashion designer in London and a Filipino nanny and how their lives become kind of intertwined. Um, she's suffering from a mysterious illness and um, needs help, uh, she thinks that she might have some sort of something similar to chronic Lyme disease because she um, got a tick bite um, when this spectral dog turned up at a fashion show. And um, she is finding her life difficult with her, her, her job and raising her child. She hires um, an auntie from the Philippines who uses traditional Filipino folk remedies to, um, to cure her. And they're very placebo-based. But um, through the process of curing her, we discover a horrifying truth about what it is that was really making her real. So it's, um, it's kind of taking aim at uh, the fast fashion industry and the exploitation of the East by the West. Mm -hmm. Is this uh, uh, is horror kind of like your sweet spot? Like, is this where the the genre in which you're you're most comfortable in, or uh, do you? Are you interested in doing like a broad comedy or something like that? <laughs> well, maybe not a broad comedy, but I started out in comedy. And that's kind of where I am. Um, like the first things I made were all, were all comedy-based things, and hmm. sketches and stuff. Um, and I worked for a comedy company in London. It was my first job. Oh, wow. But hmm. um, I find horror and, and comedy, like there's the, that sort of uncanniness I find are, are quite similar. You don't, you, you don't know why you find something funny you just react and you don't really know why you find something scary all the time. You just react. So, um, I find that they're kind of connected in a weird way. So, I mean, like some of the variants I think is pretty funny. Yes. Um, yes, it is. It's also pretty horrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, this, this is more of a supernatural. This, the new one is more of a supernatural, um, thriller. Um, which is, 
is good fun. There's some funny bits in it, but it, um, it, it gets pretty, uh, it gets pretty scary. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We, we, the very first project Garrett and I actually met to do was the comedy. It's comedy sci-fi. Um, <laughs> but we were kind of too ambitious as the very first thing. It was way too expensive. I don't know. We might do a comedy. Um, <laughs> At some stage, um, but probably still be weird. <laughs> uh, so, what what is the uh, how how are people going to see Vivarium, and what uh, when is it coming out? It's supposed to be coming out in theaters on the twenty seventh, right of July. But as you know, theaters aren't going to be out there yet. They're all just closed now. So it was a day and date um, plan anyway. So mm-hmm. we're going straight to um, digital. VOD on the 27th of March. Okay. So, so people will be able to see this. Uh, we're coming out with this uh, probably in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it'll it'll be out in the next few days after this is uh, published. This yeah. podcast comes out. Um, and yeah, welcome distraction. A welcome uh, noodle baker of a distraction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, exactly. Hopefully people will uh, watch it at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Lorcan, we very much enjoyed this film. Uh, I hope, uh, uh, continued success, uh, and everything. And I'm going to tell everybody to go watch this. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Much appreciated. And, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again about the next film. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely want to talk to you on your next film. Cause that sounds interesting. Yes. As well. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Well, that was, uh, Lorcan Finnegan. Uh, appreciate you coming on and talking about this movie. Uh, and, uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Go see Vivarium. Vivarium. Viv- Either way. Vivive. Yes. Either one. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Lorcan. This was a, a delight talking to you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com.